everybody, it's Chris Franchese. And Ashley Roman Franchese. And we are back with another edition of Latin Poetry Podcast. We're going to do two. It's a double two-for-one offer today with uh, two poems about ungents. What's an ungent? What's an ungent? It's like a, it's basically like perfume, but it's oily and it like smells really nice. Right, yeah. So famous poem about this is Catullus 13 that um, we will read. And then also there's a poem that responds to that by Marshall, the satirist from an epigram writer uh, from the first century AD. And he's sort of making fun of Catullus. So and this pair. is the first of two Marshall-Catullus mashups that we're going to be doing. The next will come along later and you can speculate as to what that's going to be. Yeah, they make a great pair. So, all right, so the, the first one is, by Catullus is an invitation poem. It's Catullus 13. And uh, what I'll do is read you the uh, English first. And um, uh, do you want to do the Latin this time? No, I'd rather do the English. All right, you do the English and I'll do the Latin. Although I know the Latin of this poem very well, okay. I'd rather do the English. All right. All right. Fabulous, come over in a few days and you will dine well, God's willing. Just bring along a fine and ample dinner and don't forget a lovely girl. Bring wine, wit, and all kinds of laughter. Bring all this, my charming man, and you will dine very well, I say, for Catullus's purse has only cobwebs. In return, you will get pure, unmixed love, or something even more elegant. I'll give you a scent, passed on to my girl by Venus and Cupid themselves, and when you smell that, dear Fabulus, you will beg the gods on your knees to turn you into one colossal no. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a great poem, and uh, the wit of it, of course, is the surprise that he invites him over to dinner and says, "Bring the dinner." Uh, and that's then, the best line in the entire <laughs> thing. Come yeah. have dinner if you bring the dinner, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, but they're going to share all these pleasures and luxuries together, and the best thing about it is this ungent. So the in the Latin, what you want to listen for are some of the um, that device where they postpone a word that goes with an earlier word, so it's called hyperbaton. Um, and the one that is really delicious in this poem is, he says, if you, the word cana is the, canabis uh, is the first word of the poem, to mm -hmm. dine, cano canare. And then the word canam reappears as a surprise when he says, you're gonna dine well, you know, and bring with you, blah, 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 the dinner. And that's the sort of initial punchline to the poem, but then of course it develops further. Yeah, the um, other one my students always struggled with, at least in high school, is the apud me paukis, and then you start another clause, ctbd fawen, and then diebus, which goes with paukis. Right. So like, oh, in a few days, or like at my house in a few, is it hours, minutes, whatever, and then you get to days later. Right, right. So there's that first little hyperbaton and then another one later. Um, okay, let, let me read the Latin for you and we can discuss it a little bit more in a sec. Che navis bene, mi fabula put me, paucis, si tibidi fawent diebus, si tecma tuleris bon matque magnam kenam, non sine candida puella, et win et salit omnibus cacinis. Haec sin quam atuleris venus de noster, che navis bene, nam tui catulli Plenus saculus est araneaarum. Sed contra cipies merus amores, seu quid suavius elegantius est. Nam unguentum dabo, quod me ai puellae donarunt veneres, 
cupidinesque. Quod tu cum olfacies Deus rogabes, totmut te faciant fabulle nasum. All right, that's just delightful. I I struggle on the elisions there because there's so many there's of them. There's a million of them. The uh, the meter is one of Catullus's favorites, the hendecasyllables. So mm -hmm. it's a jaunty kind of lilting uh, with an iambic feel, but with some syncopations. So mm -hmm. it's an eleven syllable line. Cenabis bene mi fabulla pudme, and it causes a little bit of a conflict between. Um, the word accent, the natural word accent, and the accent of the meter. So mm -hmm. apud would be the correct stress accent, and then the meter wants you to go apud, and it's mm -hmm. it, it leaves you off balance a little bit. Uh, I find it very energetic and fun. Uh, the the last of the uh, hyperbatons in this poem is the last line. He says, Totmut te faciant. Uh, you'll beg the gods to make you an entire... Wait for, <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Nose. And that, then you have this great image of like a giant nose with feet walking around. So um, that, that's, yeah. Yesterday we were at my sister's house mm -hmm. for like an after Thanksgiving thing. And on top of her refrigerator, she has a gnome Santa. And he has a beard <laughs> and a hat. And his entire face is not a face. It's just a nose. Get out. And I was thinking about this line <laughs> yesterday the we entire time. Because he's we so cute. But he is entirely totem nasum. Yeah, totem nasum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it is a wonderful image. Um, the This poem is um, also really influential in just the persona of Catullus as this poet who, of the poet who is sort of down and out. It's probably not that realistic and Catullus is wealthy enough to have an independent income and he's not really broke, but that sort of pose of the impecunious broke poet is something that, that later poets, both Roman and, and later, really pick up. Yeah, it's a great uh, image, him opening his wallet and there just being spider webs everywhere. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the vividness of the, these Im images is, yeah, is just really memorable. It's not even just cobwebs, it's arane aram. It's yeah. like, like little spider webs. <laughs> Probably some spiders in there yeah, too somewhere. Yeah, they've just been living there, <laughs> yeah, like it's right. good. Right. Um, well, so, so Marshall uh, is, is a great admirer of Catullus and has a slightly different persona. So he, whereas Catullus is positioning himself here as the host and sort of the provider of fellowship and luxury and, and even if he doesn't have the, the food. Well, he's he's Mar a poor host, yeah. so he's going to still be, like, he's bringing the fun, but this other guy has to bring everything, including the ladies and the wind. But it's and at his like, house. Yeah, it's, it's at, at his house. house he's the host, whereas Marshall never dines at home, he, if he can help it. He, he's always out looking for a meal somewhere else. And uh, so he's a, and uh, like his friend Juvenal, they're always complaining about how the stingy hosts give them second-rate food or are rude or humiliate them in some way at the dinner. And um, they have great fun sort of uh, lampooning the, vain, the vanity of the Roman aristocracy. And, yeah, which, like, how would you ever get invited again if you go over and you complain about, like, the chicken scraps? Yeah, but then you, you, in a poem. you don't in a poem. Yeah, you say you don't yeah. do it while you're there. You wait. Yeah, but <laughs> like go they write know. the poem and give it. Yeah, like Marshall's got to have a face that, like you know, he's unhappy about what he's eating. Yeah, so they're, that's why they're satirical because they're making fun of the powerful, right? In a way, yeah. these these patrons, and um, so the persona is a little different. And he also, however, um, loves Catullus as Marshall. And here uh, is a poem sort of riffing on Catullus 13. I want you to go ahead and read the translation. This is Marshall, Book 3, Epigram number 12. 
The perfume you gave your guests yesterday was, I admit, a good one, but you carved nothing. It's amusing to smell nice and go hungry. He who doesn't dine but is anointed for bullis really seems to me to be a corpse. Translated by William Fitzgerald. Yeah, so that's, that's the great Catalan critic and martial critic uh, William Fitzgerald. So yeah, so the perfume you gave your guests, that's this unguentum. Yeah. Yesterday was, I admit, a good one. So he's like, yeah, it was pretty good. Nice perfume. But you carved nothing. There was no food. Uh, it's amusing to smell nice. It's amusing. It's like, um, well, salsest. It's very funny, like yeah. sarcastic, right? Very funny to smell nice and go hungry. He doesn't dine but is anointed, meaning, you know, mm-hmm. puts on this perfume, really seems to be to be a corpse. Um, and this is a little hint then about some of the cultural uses of unguenta in these yeah. scenes. Uh, that it's not just for parties, but also for funerals. <laughs> so that's yeah. The... Well, interestingly enough, at parties, one of the things about um, ointments is that they're supposed to be able to turn away drunkenness. Really? So, yeah, you huh. can wear like parsley or ivy or whatever on your head as a laurel wreath, which they did at mm-hmm. parties that where they were drinking. And that was supposed to keep you from getting drunk. Mm. But the other thing that's supposed to be super helpful are uh, these like ungentum, these oils that you put on yourself. Hmm. So like if you, any of the students that you come in contact with have ever read the Eki Romani series, mm-hmm. Uncle Titus, the drunk character who my students and I always referred to as Drunkle Titus, when he goes to the <laughs> day, the drinking party, he has both like a crown of ivy and roses and also he has like perfume oh all over god. him like just trying to keep him sober oh my god yeah so oh that sounds so gross <laughs> um all right well let, let me read the marshall 312 for you and uh and we'll talk more about it in a second unguentum fateor bonum dedisti convivis here sed nihil scidisti res salsest benoleire et esurire Qui non cenat et unguitur fabulle, hic vere mihi mortuus videtur. Right, so so Fitzgerald's interpretation of this poem is that he, I mean, clear, clearly he's putting himself in the position of Fabulus, even though he, he's writing to a Fabulus. Marshall himself is really the Fabulus getting invited over to yeah. the host, and the host is like, here, have this perfume, and there's no food. So Nihil Skis, he didn't, he didn't carve anything saying that this makes him feel like he's dead and Fitzgerald's interpretation is that it's he's in rivalry with Catullus and it's almost like he's killing Catullus it's like saying he's saying to his readers hey I'm the new Catullus Catullus is dead and now I'm the thing what do you what do you think of that mm. uh, seem a little stretch yeah it seems like a little bit of a stretch to me I mean like Marshall's thing is that he's kind of funny and sarcastic but mm-hmm. like and that's that's the tone of this poem but like the idea, like oh, I murdered Catullus with this ungent, seems a little. Yeah, that he's. You don't think he's trying to supersede Catullus? I guess Catullus is a classic by this point. It's been yeah. hundred and hundred years plus uh, since Catullus wrote. So this is sort of taking on a poem that everyone would have known. Yeah, and, and I, I feel like in that it's not you're trying to supplant the thing. Yeah. It's you feel confident enough in yourself. To refer back to another work and like really kind of make it your own. Yeah. I mean, that's been done throughout history, people taking other people's work and interpreting it. Right, right. 
So, so I, I think that um, as usual with Marshall here, there's a sting in the tail or the, the kind of like the Catullus poem we just read where he waits for the key word that is the joke. Mm-hmm. Almost all of Marshall's poems are like that. And that's a characteristic of the epigram genre. Uh, yeah, and, where he gives you the punchline at the end. Yeah, and it's unex- something's unexpected and counterintuitive and funny, ideally, mm-hmm. um, and that's where the satire happens. And here, that keyword is mortus. Uh, the you're supposed to be there having a good time, and all he, all he does is like uh, it's like that scene in Fish, Fish Called Wanda, right, where um, the the British guy played by John Cleese is having an affair with Jamie Lee Curtis, and he's so happy to be having fun, and he's. And she says to him, like, don't you have a social life? And he's like, yeah, sure. We have these piles of corpses over to dinner. <laughs> like for his stodgy British friends. I like that. All right, so I'll read the Marshall one more time and uh, wait for that punchline at the end. The meter is also, of course, 10 megasyllables, um, as you would expect. Unguentum fateor bonum dedisti convivis here set nihil skidisti. Res sals est benolere desurire, qui non cenat et unguitur fabulle, hic vere mihi mortus videtur. Yeah, so I guess I really am interested in the whole topic of what Rome's ancient Rome smelled like. It's kind of cool to think that they had these favorite scents. Do you even really want to go down this (laughs) Well, they had a lot of smells they wanted to cover up, so they really needed um, perfume. And I guess you don't think about men wearing perfume that much, but it's, you know, certainly just as important for men as for women. Yeah, Uh, it's kind of like deodorant, really, because uh they didn't have it, so. (laughs) Right, right, right. So they had ones that were local, made in Rome, uh, from rose flowers, crocus, myrtle flowers, and cypress. Um, so that's sort of one group of like the locally made stuff that was from a cheaper. And then there's another class of this of scents that come from further afield in Greece or Asia Minor uh, or elsewhere, like um, marjoram scented from Kos, the island of Kos. Um, the, there's a special one from Athens called the Panathenaic smell. I don't know what that was exactly. Uh, the really expensive ones were the Arabian oils. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are celebrated by Horace a lot. He, in his poetry, I guess it's interesting that that's, there are a lot of poems about these things in Horace and Catullus as well. Uh, it shows you that they're associated with celebration and luxury and fine dining and like poetry is part of that mm-hmm. deliciousness of, of leisure and beauty. Um, so, the, so sorry, the, the Arabian ones, which are celebrated by Horace, uh, Malabathrum cerium, that's Indian bay leaf, uh, with a fragrance that supposedly is like clove. Nard, I love that word, nard, it's an amber-colored essential oil um, that um, grows in Nepal, China, and India. So they're getting things very far afield. Um, they came in little glass vials, typically, that are called alabastra, and I'll post a picture of one of those on our blog so you can see one. Yeah, but um, dead people were often anointed in ancient Rome. Yeah, so the, the social contexts are um, are parties, but also uh, funerals. You would use them in the morning when you got up just to like get ready to go go out, mm-hmm. or in the baths. Yeah, um, and then very frequently at festivals, religious festivals. Another, you know, they have medical uses and religious uses exactly. too uh, for anointing statues um, and. 
other images of the gods. All right, well, that's um, those are two terrific poems. We're going to come back with more Marshall and Catullus dueling uh, Marshall and Catullus poems in the in near the future. future, and we've got some epigrams coming up for some interesting sort of ordinary people in ancient Rome um, that we always love to do. Epitaphs. So epitaphs, and so come on back, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you.